My approach is radically different because I redefine emotions as they are all good. We wouldn't have emotions unless they had a purpose for us. So, of course, some emotions are difficult, painful, extremely frightening, very unpleasant. And if we could see how that wasn't a problem, then there no longer is a problem. Instead, we simply ask the question how are these emotions trying to help me? What truth, what deep emotional truth and wisdom are they trying to let me know? This is Before It's Too Late. I'm your host, Christian Suzanne. Let's learn together what matters most in life. It makes me very happy to speak with Dr. Alex Wills in today's episode. Alex Wills, MD, is a board-certified psychiatrist who has developed an innovative approach to how to deal with our emotions. He has developed the Radical Emotional Acceptance Method to help patients heal from issues ranging from past traumas to interpersonal struggles in their marriages. Just now, he has published a book with the title Give an F, Actually, Reclaim Yourself with the Five Steps of Radical Emotional Acceptance. Offering a timely and persuasive counter-argument to the runaway bestseller The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F. In this episode, Alex argues that there are no bad emotions, only bad reactions to powerful and often painful feelings that radical emotional acceptance can teach us to process. We are learning from him that on the flip side of every painful emotion is a desire. These painful emotions are actually supposed to hurt us as badly as they do. They are trying to get our attention and let us know the importance of a situation or relationship. Dr. Wills is taking us through the five steps of his fascinating radical emotional acceptance method and explains how practicing this method helps us to develop a better relationship with all our emotions instead of suppressing them. He compares human emotions to colors, which are just there. Very importantly, we are also talking about how this method can help with parenting children. I laughed when Alex said, imagine what a wonderful world we would have if children learned from the very beginning naming their emotions, building emotional vocabulary, and simply accept them. We are excited to have you as our guest today on Before It's Too Late, Dr. Alex Wills. Hello, Dr. Alice Wills. Welcome to Before It's Too Late. Hello, thank you for having me. I'm really excited, Dr. Wills, to be speaking with you today because you are a board-certified psychiatrist and the owner of Perma Mental Health, a private psychiatric practice. And in your days... You are using a really interesting method that caught my eye. This method that you have developed, you called it the radical emotional acceptance method. Right. And with that, right? And with that, you help your patients heal from issues ranging from past traumas to 
all sorts of interpersonal struggles in their marriages. And now you have written a book based on this method. Your book is called Give a F, actually. Reclaim yourself with the five steps of radical emotional acceptance. And in that book, you offer a timely and persuasive counter-argument to the runaway bestseller, I think we all know, The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F. So please tell us more about your radical emotional acceptance method. I'm very excited to be talking about emotions. It's my favorite topic. Radical emotional acceptance isn't necessarily a, a new therapy, but it is based on a dozen different evidence-based therapies, specifically focusing on how we can have a better relationship with our emotions, especially our difficult, painful, unpleasant, or scary ones. Okay. And that, as it is scary to have all these emotions, please tell us more about the method you developed and when you also developed it, after how many years of talking with patients about these emotions. Well, I swallowed a psychotherapy pill when I was in my psychiatry training program in Hawaii, And I fell in love with all of the different types of psychotherapies that could really make such a miraculous change in patients' lives. I wanted radical emotional acceptance to be very easy and applicable. My passion is not only teaching patients about psychotherapy things that could be helpful, but really coaching and, and making it real in their lives. So the goal of the book with uh, fictionalized characters is to give a lot of examples of how these five steps of radical emotional acceptance can be true in the reader's life and how they can make it an actual lived-out experience. Okay, that's really interesting. We all say we have to master our emotions in one or the other way. Also, when kids get angry or adults yell at each other, I think we are all familiar with these unwanted emotions, in a way, we have never really learned to how to deal with them, right? We also live in times where the concept of acceptance is very much promoted. And tell me more, please, how it really works in terms of are we just to accept then The anger and fear and or deep sadness or our traumas even? And if so, what's the difference of your approach and method against telling uh, your patients you have to accept it and that's the door to happiness? That's very well framed. Everything I could find out there talking about emotions uses terms such as How do we master our emotions? How do we deal with them? How do we fix mm. them? How can we avoid them? Even the term negative emotions or the icky emotions. And so mm. my approach is radically different because I redefine emotions as they are all good. We wouldn't have emotions unless they had a purpose for us. 
So of course, some emotions are difficult, painful, extremely frightening, very unpleasant. And if we could see how that wasn't a problem, then there no longer is a problem. Instead, we simply ask the question, how are these emotions trying to help me? What truth, what deep emotional truth and wisdom are they trying to let me know? Mm. And I'm really curious, Dr. Wills, how is it then when you are going through your method with your clients that you build a bridge or go through certain steps maybe that help your client really to come from pure, intense anger towards, oh, that's actually a good thing that happens for me instead of to me, that emotion I want to get rid of, right? So I would be really curious, how are you doing this? What's your message in detail? Well, with the steps, you don't necessarily have to follow them in order. They can sort of stand alone depending on the situation. But you could also go through them in order because they kind of follow a logical progression. Would you like me to kind of briefly go through the steps? I think that would be really interesting to our listeners. So the first step is to identify that you have a emotional shield. So the first step is called a drop the F shield. The shield is oftentimes another emotion, such as anger or even a defense mechanism like humor or altruism or whatnot. And we want to become very curious about what is this shield protecting us from? What's the more vulnerable, painful emotion going on underneath the shield? Anger is a shield emotion because it's very empowering. When you're angry, No one's going to mess with you because you look like you might kill them. You're very empowered. It's easy to get in touch with anger. And it, it can have its place and purpose in different situations. However, behind the anger shield is usually vulnerable emotions such as sadness, fear, disappointment, frustration. And so that brings us to the next step, step number two, where we name the F or name the emotion. And just simply naming the emotion itself is powerfully therapeutic. If I could hook up a functional MRI to you right now and show you different uh, disturbing images, simply naming the emotions that come up for you would take your amygdala from a state of a lot of activity to a state of calm, as if the amygdala is giving a sigh of relief and saying, there, I've done my job. I've communicated the emotion that is happening right now. The third step is mm -hmm. to listen to the F, listen to the emotion. Try to be curious about it. What is it telling you? What wisdom is it giving you? What is the intensity? What is the status of your relationship or your situation? The emotions really are a sixth sense, and they're giving you emotional data that you really can't get anywhere else. So it's important that we listen to it and try to learn from it. The fourth step is to act or not act on the F, After you have all of your emotional wisdom, you can then decide if you need to do anything, or sometimes you decide that you don't need to do anything at all. It's really time to kick it back over to your logical brain and decide the best course of action. And then the final step, which is my favorite, thank the F, have gratitude for the emotion. If you can find pure, true, sincere gratitude for your painful emotions, there no longer is a problem. You realize that these painful emotions 
although very painful, very uncomfortable, they're only trying to help. And they're giving you the motivation and energy you need to make the right decisions. Wow, that's a really interesting five-step method. Thank you for elaborating on those. So now I'm really even more curious. When you were talking about listening to your emotion and then getting to the point where you understand what this emotion is trying to convey to you, I might find an unmet need from my childhood. For example, the lack of love or the lack of uh, attention or emotional neglect or abuse. What am I doing then when once I found out what this emotion wants to tell me and what's behind? Could you tell us what then needs to be done? I think of it how, as... How do, I, how do I meet it, you know? I'm, I mean, like, how do I fill the gap? Right. Every emotion, especially every painful emotion or difficult or scary emotion, on the flip side, there's a desire. I think of desires as another category of emotions. And the desires are for the things we want, relationship, emotional needs, healing, whatever it might be. What comes to mind as an example is the emotion of embarrassment. You may be thinking about a situation in your childhood in which you were extremely embarrassed. Something mm. really bad happened. And that's an emotion most of us would rather not feel because it's very painful. It's like a fireball of, of pain. Your face might even turn bright red. <laughs> If we can find gratitude for the emotion of embarrassment by becoming curious of, well, Why, why am I having this fireball emotion that's so painful? What, why is that possibly a good thing? And you can become curious about how it maybe tuned you in to a social norm that you weren't aware of or you violated. It may help you understand behavior that's not going to be okay. And uh, you can you know, learn from that. It's, it's teaching you a very powerful lesson based on the intensity and the pain of the emotion. Mm -hmm. Okay, I understand. But I still would like, if you don't mind, to dig a bit deeper in terms of once I am aware, conscious of the root cause of this emotion, as you just lined out with the example of embarrassment, how can I transform that into my future life where I then will be no longer embarrassed in the next situation? Or how can I sort of heal or neutralize that emotion? Or is that not even the goal? Right, yeah, that's such a great question. So if the goal isn't to neutralize the emotion, but instead, I like to imagine our emotions as sort of little parts of us, like little, little children that um, are trying their best to, to help us. And if we can welcome them into our family of our internal parts, we could maybe say, then we can come back to a state of harmony. And we realize that every emotion has its place. It's not just there to torture us and make us feel horrible. Then we can make the better choices going on for what we want. For example, if our goal is to 
is to never have embarrassment again, <laughs> we may thoughtfully <laughs> and creatively pursue a life in which we're not likely to be in an embarrassing situation. Usually it's interesting. Most of my patients don't need much help with deciding what to do. It's a very personal and individual decision. So my job is really to tune them into their own emotional wisdom, including their desires, and then they can use their own intelligence to navigate towards that. Okay, okay. That's so powerful, I think. Alex, you have created in your book analogy between emotions and colors. Yeah. And I really like that because emotions, in fact, aren't visible, really. Can you explain this analogy and how it works? So I love to use a lot of analogies. And uh, if I use too many, please stop me. But one of my favorite is that emotions are like colors. Everyone is familiar with the spectrum of colors and how colors aren't negative or positive. They're They're just colors. They're giving us uh, very useful data, information, and they help us to navigate our world. You see red, you stop your car. You see green, you go. We don't walk around telling ourselves, you know, today I don't want to see blue. Blue's not in my life. Blue's a negative <laughs> color, and I'm just going to cover my eyes and not look up at the sky because I don't like <laughs> blue. We would be driving ourselves crazy. We, we would be gaslighting ourselves. Yet we do that with emotions all the time. So if instead we think of the spectrum of color is like the spectrum of emotions or vice versa, then we realize, oh, it's not a problem. It's just data. It's emotional data. And it's helping me to navigate my relationships and my life decisions. And so now, just like we're really good at using color for our benefit, we can start practicing becoming really, really good using all of our emotions to help navigate our lives. I love that analogy. It's really, really helpful, I think. And you were mentioning emotional data. Could you tell us more what you mean by that and how we should use it? Sure, yeah. Along with the color analogy, You know, I think of our, uh, our bodies are almost like this emotional antenna and we're picking up emotions. They sort of happen to us, right? If you don't believe me, just go and stub your toe and anger will happen to you quite quickly, right? <laughs> mm, so, you bet. <laughs> you know, somebody betrays you and you might have some horrible sadness happen to you. Somebody gives you a hug and you might experience love or a sense of connection. So if we think of emotions as really data that our bodies are just kind of picking up, then we no longer blame ourselves or beat ourselves up for having emotions. It's not like we chose them. They're just sort of an accurate reflection of our situation. We don't get down on ourselves if we see too much red. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh man, I, I just see, saw way too much red today. There's too much red in this world for me or whatever. And it's my fault. So if we realize our emotions aren't really saying anything bad about us, a lot of people think their emotions somehow are evidence that they might not be a worthy or lovable or good enough person. And that's a huge problem because we need to separate out the story or the belief from the emotion. I define emotion as just that pure, visceral, 
energy that you can sense in your body that doesn't need an explanation. It doesn't need a story. And I define the word feeling as an emotion plus a story. So if you have an emotion of sadness and your story is, I'm doomed, I'll never be happy, I'm just a depressed person, then your emotions sort of locked you into a story that's not true. So we want to separate out those false stories and really disbelieve those stories while still validating the true emotion that happened that preceded it. That is powerful. Would you think that this also applies to people who have experienced serious trauma? Yeah, for example, with trauma, the emotions can become quite intense. And rightly so. If you have been through something that was traumatic, the emotional intensity is going to be very, very high. You know, sometimes to the point of even causing, you know, maybe some biological dysregulation. With PTSD, we have extreme physiological responses and so on. Trauma mm. is very difficult. It can be very difficult to work with. And each case is, you know, we want to be very, very sensitive to the specifics of each case. But the principles, I've seen a lot of people healed from their trauma, realizing that, oh, it was okay for me to be scared when the gun was pointed at my head. I'm like, yes, yes. It's a, Fear was a very powerful, intense emotion, and, and it was there for a reason. Just people realizing that they don't have to try to get rid of their emotions, but their emotions were always trying to help them. And so I'm always trying to help people have a better relationship with their own emotions. And from that, I see a lot of healing with trauma. I actually think your method is very, very applicable and helpful for parenting children. Because, as I said in the beginning, our modern Western societies never really focused on teaching how to deal with emotions, right? Right. And when reflecting on your own childhood, you bring up emotional suppression. How hard was it for you to unlearn those habits? Every culture, I've traveled the world quite a bit, and it seems every culture has their own sort of brand of emotional suppression. You know, they're, mm. they're in Germany, it's, it's a little bit different flavor than in Japan, for example. And it's almost the art of how can we suppress our emotions so that we don't bother anybody with them. I'll give an example. I remember when I was a kid, for some reason, one day I was very young and my parents were wonderful, really great parents, but I was feeling down one day. And I don't remember why, but I, I went outside and my dad was in the backyard and doing some lawn work. And I just kind of walked up to my dad, uh, just kind of feeling down and just sort of wanted to be around him. And I remember he looked at me and, and he was a little bit frustrated and he just said, hey, stop moping around. I was kind of going to him for comfort. And instead, he, I got in trouble for looking sad. And it was sort of just a minor incident. And I went about my day. Everything was fine. But I looked back at that and I just see how we give those messages to kids all the time. You got to act right. You got to look right. You have to have the right emotions. You have to control your emotions. And we're teaching kids from a very young age that their emotions are a problem or something to master, or something to overcome. And of course, they grow up believing that. And then we end up sort of as adults still kind of carrying on to those beliefs. And to answer the second mm. part of your question, you know, in my own life, I kind of always tried to do what my, my family taught me. 
I tried to have the right emotions I should have. I, I shouldn't mope around. <laughs> I shouldn't be sad, you know, whatever it might be. Realizing that, oh, instead of trying to control my sadness, I can simply accept it and I can become curious about it and practice, you know, radical emotional acceptance with it and and then uh, try to figure out what's actually going on there. What is it trying to teach me? Oh, my God, I love that. And so how are we doing it as parents better, Alex? What are some parenting techniques to encourage celebrating all emotions? Quite the opposite to how many of us have been brought up, as you just shared with us your ex own example from your own childhood. So how can we make it better as parents? Yeah, and that's uh, such a great question because if we can sort of maybe raise a new generation that is more emotionally, has a better relationship with their emotions, uh, you know, what a wonderful world we might have. Think how many problems in the world might go away if we didn't have all this emotional suppression going on. I'm actually quite interested in writing a book without the F word in it for kids and for parents about radical emotional acceptance for parenting and for children. I think it's very applicable, the five steps, just thinking about situations in your own life and, and applying them to situations in your child's life. With kids, it's always a great idea to use Their emotions as opportunities to uh, help them practice. For example, if your child is really upset because she can't get any more ice cream tonight because she's already had some and she's crying, it's, it's a good time to say, you look sad right now. Are you sad? And, and she nods with tears in her eyes. Like, yeah, I, I know. I, I get really sad too when I can't have what I want. And, and yeah, it's okay to be sad. That's how we feel when we can't get what we want right now. And then just simply sitting with them and, and giving them the presence and allowing them to have a relationship with their sadness without trying to make it go away or giving them more ice cream or telling them not to be sad. That's absolutely great. Really great. So what would you say is the most challenging part of practicing radical emotional acceptance? I mean, especially for adults now. A lot of my patients, they will struggle and maybe slowing down because it's such an automatic process, right? You know, a situation happens, you become terribly angry, and then you jump to behaviors that might not be so good. And so just kind of slowing down. And when you notice that you have some emotions coming up, particularly frustrating, sad, angry, scary, difficult emotions, The first thing to do, you know, just slow down and start to practice the steps of um, radical emotional acceptance. You know, it's like, okay, I gotta, I gotta just name those, name those emotions going on. And over time, you can make it almost automatic to practice radical emotional acceptance instead of flying off the handle or instead of getting caught up in your story or what it might be. I had to coach myself for months whenever I notice some difficult and intense emotions coming up, I'd have to stop for a second and say, okay, name the emotions. What, what emotions are going on? I'm feeling overwhelmed. Mm. I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling scared. I'm feeling angry. I'm, I've got the emotion of hate. I've got the emotion of disgust. I got the emotion of exhilaration. We have a whole combination of emotions going on. And then you can start to do that automatically. So it can take you five or 10 seconds just to go through the steps once you get good at it. Thanks for sharing this process. Is there anything you want to add, Alex? 
It should be available now, released in January 2023, anywhere that English books are sold. And I'm excited to uh, see how it can help people. Yeah, and just really, really happy. It's been so nice to talk with you. But yeah, thank you. Oh, great. So I really think this is a very, very important work of yours and a very, very helpful book. Give an F, actually reclaim yourself with the five steps of radical emotional acceptance. I'll definitely put the title of the book in the description. And I thank you so much for having been our guest today, Dr. Alex Wills on Before It's Too Late. Thank you so much. And if anybody wants to check out my website, it's RadicalEmotionalAcceptance.com. And thank you. I really enjoyed this profound conversation, and I hope you did too. For more episodes of Before It's Too Late, make sure to subscribe. If this episode spoke to you, consider sharing it with a friend or loved one you think might benefit from it. Thank you for listening.